Good morning, everyone. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. We're glad you're here today. Sun's shining outside. We have many reasons every day to come and worship. And so we're here today to sing, to uh, even give of ourselves today, and uh, listen to the word and apply it to our lives. That's all worship, and we get to do that today as a church family. Aren't you grateful for church family? Amen. You know, we've had, a, we've had a rough week this week with uh, the passing of Brother Bob and, and uh, Chad's dad passed, and of course Vivian's uh, brother passed this week. And so, you know, what better time to be a part of a church family than when we can come around those people, whether it's hand-to-hand or whether we're praying for them, to let them know that we love them and, and God loves them and we're praying for them to lift them up. What a great thing. And we get to be together today as we worship the Lord with our voices and, and minds and hearts today. So as we uh, begin today's service, we pray that today would be a day of worship for you. Uh, let's stay focused and, and apply uh, everything that goes on this morning to our lives so that we could give God the honor and the glory for it. So let's pray. We'll open our services together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for today. We're praying that you would be with each one that's in this room today in the children's ministry and even on Facebook, Lord, that you would uh, just get the honor and the glory for everything that goes on. Uh, Lord, as we uh, focus on you, may you get our undivided attention. May we lift you up through song and all of those uh, things, giving and preaching of the word, that we can apply it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me do make a quick announcement as uh, we supposed to do that before I prayed, you know, and I'm, my mind goes one, one direction. And so uh, I want us to remember that uh, today, right at the end of the service, we'll be having a, a business meeting. And so um, uh, remember that in the coming weeks, we'll be having another uh, uh, meeting to for election of officers. Pastor Scott will talk more about that uh, later. And then also uh, it's obvious out there that the uh, teens... New Life Group is having a fundraiser so uh, for their trip to Gatlinburg. So if you're on a diet, they'll still take a little donation. That's up to you, but there's a lot of goodies out there as well. So with that, I'll turn it over to Andrew and the praise team. Would you stand with us this morning as we worship our Lord? Here I am to worship.
Ushers, if you want to come forward, we'll prepare to collect the offering. I want to read just a few verses from Matthew chapter 22. There were 613 commandments uh, in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel uh, observed. And the scribes come forward to Jesus um, to ask, what's the most important commandment of all? Verse 34 says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We live in a, a soundbite world, don't we? We live in a, a world that likes to boil things down. And here Jesus boils everything down for us to a very simple statement. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's pretty easy to say. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to love the Lord your God with everything that you are. We talked about it in the, our class this morning that God calls Christians to forsake everything to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That he has control over everything that you own. You're just a temporary steward. Think about it. All your possessions, your family, everything. We've lost loved ones. They don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. But while we're here, while we're entrusted with those people, with those things, with ministries, opportunities to serve, it's our job, it's our obligation to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, to let him know that he has full reign in us. And when we do that, we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. As we pray, we're praying that Cross Point Baptist Church will be able to share the gospel with the entire world to let them know the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which tells us that we are to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to honor you as we collect this offering, as we prepare to uh, receive your word this morning. Help us to honor you with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions. Help us to surrender ourselves to you. Lord, that's what being a Christian is. It's making you the master of our lives. Help us to follow you faithfully. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as <clears throat> this week, um, it's true you've heard Pastor Roger, Brad's mentioned it as well, the, the busyness of, of our church, but also the um, ability to watch God move and work never gets old. I want to tell you this week, it's just some things that happened around a table or a desk. This week, to a father and a son at two different times were around my kitchen table. Not to eat. They were there because I wasn't going to feed them. They eat way too much for that. But one was there asking questions about God, Bible. And, and for an hour and a half, we had a beautiful discussion. Only a handful of days later to watch a father be at my table, heartbroken over the passing 
of his untimely death of his father as well. Watching God do a work and it, it never gets old. Watching around a table, one by the name of Lena Colini just yesterday, making plans for her, her husband that had passed away. And I don't know if you know this, but sometimes, just sometimes, we get to see the Bible come true. When I said just sometimes, that's me being sarcastic. Did you pick it up? Did you pick up what I'm laying down? Just a little sarcasm there. The Bible is proven true when you apply it to your lives and even when you don't apply it to your lives. It's going to be true. The Bible is God's truth that we need for life. Did you hear the song, Oh Lord, How I Need You? To, uh, Thursday night, of course, we were called to uh, Bob Collini. He was at hospice and he had just actually got there and they didn't think um, that he was going to make it much longer, his time on this earth. And I'm going to tell you something amazing that happened as Lena was there and the family gathered there. And we were able to, to, to have prayer with Bob. A church service kind of broke out just a little bit. Why? Because the fruition of everything that we come here for and we hear and we teach and the sermons that we've heard all of our lives and the things that we pontificate on whether these things are true or not becomes a reality and fruition when you take a step off of this earth. It doesn't become I hope, it becomes a reality. I, I heard this saying uh, just this week uh, and it goes like this. Our eternal life isn't interrupted by our physical death. Think about that. Too deep this morning? That too deep of a thinking? The day you accept Jesus Christ into your life, the day you accept truth of the resurrection into your life, your eternity began. You have eternity either way, but your eternal life began that day. It doesn't happen the day you step off the earth. I share that. Because I hope that you believe not only in the truth of God's word and in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to ask a question. Do you believe in Cross Point Baptist Church? Do you believe in what we're trying to accomplish here? The, the Bible teaching and preaching. And I'm looking out this morning and what a great attendance we have today. The room is full. There's a lot of energy coming in today. And... Uh, that is as is, is well and as exciting as that is for me. We want to be very transparent and let you know that we're here for you to always align our lives with the truth of God's word. Israel had this problem. I've been talking about it for several weeks. Uh, you're going to hear it at least a several, couple more weeks as we continue on in February on the topic that we are on. And the problem that Israel had in Exodus 17, 7 was this. They didn't know if God was among them or not. Is God among us or not? They, they weren't certain. I don't want that to ever be the spirit of what we're doing here at Cross Point Baptist Church of uncertainty. We can be uncertain about events, circumstances, and things that will happen. But we have no reason to ever be uncertain if God is with us or not. If we're following him and we're pursuing him, we're giving our life to him, he's always going to be with us. And then we get to see the fruition of that. We get to see lives change. You get to see lives transformed. You get to see lives 
that are lived with hope and encouragement and not desperation and defeat. You get to see lives that transfer from this earth to a heavenly realm. And we get to say with excitement, we get to say with excitement that they're in a better place. And not I hope they're in a better place. Is the Lord among us or not? We talked about the word worship over the last several weeks. And I'm continuing this thought as we continue through the month, month of February as we have some areas for our church to consider um, as it relates to our, our finances and such. But I did want to take this time and we do this, uh, peri- I try not to forget, and that is to welcome those that are, can't be here today in person but are here or watching by Facebook. So um, I see that Chris Meyer is the last one to pop up there. So she's late to church is what that means. But let's take a moment and wave and welcome Chris Meyer to Cross Point Baptist Church this morning. As we give our time and attention to our God. We've been talking about over the last several weeks. In fact, it's been several years since I've approached this uh, topic in this uh, great detail. And that is the topic of finances. And you think, well, why, 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 why are you doing it now? Well, here's why. There's several reasons. And some people will hear this, and if you want to hear it and think it, and you in Facebook land, if you want to critique it, have fun with it. Our motive is pure. Some people would think, well, he's only preaching on money because they need more of it. Pastor needs a new car. Needs a new suit. We need more stuff. And you saw me flash um, a, a note that's going to come due in five years, and that's why he's doing money. The primary reason I'm sharing this is not to fleece and get more money out of you. The primary reason is we need to be stewards with everything that God has betrusted to us. Everything. Health, wealth, relationships, tangible things, intangible things. We are to be stewards. And there's a lot of misgivings over finances. And in fact, I would even go this step that... Uh, our young people, if you don't teach them how a money, where money comes from and how it works, who's going to? Well, the Bible helps us as in these areas as well. We've looked at uh, a couple weeks ago the proper view of treasure. That word treasure is used in two ways in the Bible. One, it's used to mean your stuff. Like you're, it's a tangible treasure. Um, you know, all that retirement, 401k, your, your, the change, the money. Another way that word treasure is used is what's dear to your heart. What's dear to your heart. The Bible refers to these things as the apple of your eye. It's what's dear to your heart. I, I venture to say a lot of you, your treasure is perhaps your children. It's, it's your relationships. It's not the stuff. It's not the stuff. So we talked about the proper view of your treasure, and there meaning your, your, the means. The right way to use our treasure, we covered, covered that in the last several weeks. How to keep away from the love of money. We went over that in great detail. 
We shared how your, our treasure is a personal disclosure. of It's a reflection of who we are. So we've covered certain things. But today, I want to talk about this as it relates to finances and, and money. From the Bible, it's God's blessings. God's blessings. Giving to the Lord is a is God-backed, guaranteed investment. Not an uncertain gamble. You've heard it. Perhaps you've thought it. I wouldn't want you to admit it. But uh, I've heard it at a lunch table one time at, at a workplace I was at, that all of them churches want is your money. Oh, that's all they want. That's all they want. And uh, especially I heard it in relationship to one time to a child that was coming. It was an elementary age, and the parents retorted, oh, churches want your money. Your kid don't have any money. It's costing us to go get your kid and have your child here. So the irony of how people think regarding churches and finances is so interesting to me, and yet the Bible says quite a bit about these areas. Let me shake that line again. Giving to the Lord is a God-backed, guaranteed investment. It's quiet in here. It is quiet in here. It's God-backed, guaranteed. It's not an uncertain gamble. Is there any other financial institution that would give you a guaranteed money back? Even when you hear that on TV, what do they really mean? We're going to prorate it. You're not getting all that money back. you got to pay for shipping and handling. All that goes with it. God is saying there's something way bigger going on in what I want to do in your life. And your finances is just a portion. It's just a portion of it. Jesus himself uses the promise of reward to teach his followers. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is what's, what's going on here. We're going to be in Matthew 6. We want to touch Matthew 10. We're going to go back to Matthew 6. You know, what's interesting. Something that we rarely think about is when it comes to our, our tangible finances is this. Do we trust God or not? Do we trust him or not? We're to trust him in all areas. This is one area that we kind of don't think about that perhaps as often. Jesus is talking and he's, he uses the promise of reward to teach his followers. Give without public display because God should receive the glory. Look in chapter 6, verse 4 of Matthew. All right, He's talking about do good to please God. The things that we do that he stirs in our heart that we actually do. And first, before you can do what God wants you to do, you need to be who God wants you to be. Be, then do is the is the. the, the proper order sometimes we need to do to help us to get us to to be but look at what he says here we want to please do good to please God verse 4 that your charitable deeds may be in secret why and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly say reward he will reward you openly Jesus in his sermon on the mount and you read that, and you're like, well, you're proof text. You're taking one verse. The whole section there is talking about do good to please God. Charitable deeds, it's not just financial things. It's, it's what you do may be done in secret. 
Oh, I could tell you story after story of people that is going on right here in our congregation that is fulfilling that, that verse. Things that they come and say, hey, pastor, who needs what? Or they'll go, hey, pastor, I want to give this to that. And we make them connect and nobody knows what's going on. You know, I even think about this from time to time on, on giving. Um, you know, do you pass the plates or do you not pass the plates? That was a thing for a while there. Like, oh, but it becomes showy. It can become showy. In fact, for years, Bell's Lane, we didn't pass the plates. Uh, we only had the tithe box in the back. There's a secret, quiet way of doing it. In fact, in Bell's Lane, when I was a, oh, I was a deacon, and that was years ago, when we had to take a special offering, we actually used chicken buckets. Remember the, the buckets? We had to use these weird dead Gregory members. It was like chicken buckets. I don't know, Lee's famous recipe or something. I don't know where it came from. We, it was so abnormal to us. But you know what we learned over the years about that? Giving, receiving the offering is an act of worship. It's okay to do. It's okay to do that. Because there can be a stigma with it. But you know what? The People are going to think what they want to think. Our motive is pure. There's a cause and effect relationship between giving and receiving. Keep your finger there in, in chapter 6. Go to verse 10. Go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. As we look at this cause and effect relationship between giving and receiving. Matthew chapter 10 verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple... As assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. God promises to keep that reward. Do you see that? He's making a promise. There's a cause and effect relationship at times. Jesus compares giving to storing up treasures in heaven. Go back to chapter 6. Go to chapter 6. In verses 19 through 34 is a section there. We're not going to read all that. But he's talking about lay up treasures in heaven and, and, and the lamp of the, of the body is the eye. You cannot serve God and riches. We talked about that last week. How to refrain from the root of all evil, which is the love of money, right? And then verse 25 and finally he's talking about don't worry. This is more than the don't worry, be happy song. He's saying when you worry, you're sinning. It's not a, a real quick replacement there beautiful portion of scripture but I want you to consider this because Jesus compares giving to storing up treasures but in heaven look at verse 20 but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven say heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal we looked at that verse last week with a different application perhaps but the same Thought uh, 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 principle applies, and it's this. Don't worry about your physical needs. God will handle that. Amen. He handles your physical needs. He's also saying don't sit on the couch and wait for things to happen either. There's a word, there's a four-letter word out there that um, people are, sometimes get very skittish of. It starts with a W and ends with a K. We are to be, I mean, we can go over the scripture after scripture. If you don't work, the Bible says a man should not. Who's had a donut this morning? Yeah, that means you must have worked hard this week. 
The principle is this. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and himself. Look at verse 33 of chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? His righteousness means Christ in you is his right living through you. Now, part of it's you, you got to have some spiritual discipline, but the, the part of that is Christ in you who gives us the righteousness and his righteousness. And look at what he says. All these things will be added unto you. Pursue him. Pursue what's he, just the person of Jesus Christ. His righteousness, and when it starts to work out and you're pursuing him, all these things will be added unto you. The food, the bird, uh, 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 the clothes he mentions in 25 and following. All these things means life's needs. Life's needs. You know what I'm finding out? We talked about this last week. That, that funny line between wants and needs. Wants, things that I thought I, 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 I needed was a want. And things that I thought I wanted, I didn't even want. And other things I wanted, I didn't need. And, and it goes all over the place. What I'm learning is the older I get, the less I really need. I need the Bible, a cup of coffee now and again. I need some Tylenol, every ibuprofen more this week. But my needs has really shrunk. What has shrunk? My perception of what I thought I needed. All these needs, my life needs. Jesus gives us permission to expect God to reward his children when we trust him to provide. That's what he's saying here. He's, Jesus is giving permission for us to expect God to reward his children. Trust God to reward true obedience as well. We trust God to bless our children, to bless children who obey their parents in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. We trust God to make all things work together for good. Romans chapter 8. 28, we trust God to save us, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. If we didn't trust God in keeping his promises, there would be no point in following Jesus at all, would there? Hello? But he does keep his promises. He's never lost a one. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another to trust that he will provide for the rent payment. I made a little poke at Jewel last week about he turned 95 years old. 95, and Thursday was his birthday, February 1st. And I said, I'm going to call. I'm going to be the first one to call him. I called him a little bit after 8 o'clock, and I called him up. And I said, Jewel, happy birthday. He goes, hey, happy birthday. I said, I want to be the first one, and I think I was it. I said, well, well what, what's the plan today? He goes, I'm waiting for the kids to tell me what to do. <laughs> but I teased him, and I said, well, your birthday's easy. Remember, February 1st, rent's due. Rent's due, Jewel. He's 95 years old. He don't have no rent. <laughs> Payment's due. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another to trust him to provide for the rent. In reality, it's the same. It's, we come by faith. It's so amazing to me how people will, yeah, I trust him with my eternal life, but I can't trust him with today. I can't trust him with this issue. We can't trust him with a little thing, a minute aspect of life 
but we're going to trust him with our eternity. Something about that's a little backwards. It shows you how much stock we really perhaps put on our soul at times. Now I want to take a moment and share because it's, it's humanly impossible, but with God all things are possible. Luke 8, 27. I want to give out a warning here. This is a disclaimer, if you will. Cross Point Baptist Church, this is not a health and wealth gospel that I'm sharing right now. Any prosperity theology that, that attempts to turn God into some kind of genie in a bottle is a selfish and abuse of scripture. God has promised rewards that include financial blessings, but we must be committed to following his purposes. And there's the key line. We follow his purposes. God promises rewards and blessings when we give. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9. I'll be quiet and listen to the pages turn. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. Now this whole section here, really verse 6 through 14, are all about this. God loves the cheerful giver. <clears throat> but I want you to look in verse uh, 10 and 11. And consider this thought, you will be made rich in every way, in every way. Look in verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God's word just defined riches as Able to be generous. That's how he defined. It's, it's not in how much you have built up. Never let money be the, the, the factor of how wealthy you are. It's a terrible indicator of how wealthy you are. You can have it all. We can go after example after example of pop culture and celebrities that have it all and their lives end miserably. It's not what riches are all about. In fact, we look at these verses. He able to be generous is how he defines rich here. When he talks about increase the fruit of your righteousness, of right living. We look in verses 6 through 15, that whole section there. It describes riches as spiritual and material. Immaterial. Um, I was giving the example just a couple weeks ago of my conversation with Raleigh Farley on the phone, and he was basically saying, I don't have a lot, but, you know, and the more he started talking about his, his love for his wife and his wife's love for him, the family that's there caring for needs, I can hear him getting emotional and tearing up. And I had to share with him over the phone, Raleigh, I don't think you realize how rich you are. It's not about those tangible things. Both spiritual and, and uh, uh, material. But of all we can possess, none is more important than the spiritual. Riches in God's grace, glory, and understanding. Wisdom, insight. That's what makes one rich. Spiritual discernment. 
When we are generous givers, we have access to all these riches. Look in verse 11. While we are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. It's a way of worshiping. It's a way of sharing. Health and wealth theology is to give so that you can get, and it's wrong. 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, 10 and 9 and 10 shows just that. God says that we should give so we can get, so we can give again. That's what he says. That's the word. And, you're, and, and in fact, uh, Titus 3.14 is where it, it talks about this. And what's amazing about that is you may think, well, now how's that play out in my life? It goes to what Brad's been saying for a couple weeks, but even today, we're managers. We're not owners. We're managers of everything that God has bestowed to us. You will receive a greater blessing as well. You know that saying from the Bible uh, that says it is more blessed to give than receive. Uh, Acts 20, verse 35. If you're a parent in here, you've experienced that. If, uh, if you are a grandparent, perhaps you've experienced that. And that's not to say if you're younger, you haven't experienced it. But think about as a parent, a grandparent on that Christmas day, Right? When you, you want, or a, a birthday, when you, want, when you give a gift to somebody, anybody, and you watch them receive that gift with joy, with gratitude, it probably was worth more than what you spent on that gift. It is more blessed to give it, to give it away than to receive it, which worked out for me because my kids loved receiving Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last chapter of the Old Testament. We'll go back to 2 Corinthians in just a moment. If you want to keep your thumbnail there. Malachi chapter 3, 10, 11, and 12. We're not going to dive super deep here. But I want you to see and consider these promises. Consider these promises in Malachi 3, 10. And he says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the window of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall to bear the fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And he's speaking this to Israel here. But what, what just happened there? And I want you to see three I wills in this short, in these short verses here. And by the way, we'll be examining Old Testament tithing and, and New Testament giving uh, probably next week. But I want you to look at the promises to the giver. Three times God says, I will. I will. In verse, the back part of verse 10, he says, I will open you the windows of heaven. Open you the windows of heaven. 
right there in the middle, actually, of verse 10. And as we're going through Revelation, especially in uh, chapter 4, but also toward the end of Revelation when it talks about the eternal state, and he's opening up the window of heaven. And when you picture from our biblically enhanced imagination, we're seeing colors. We're seeing riches. We're seeing things that are t uh, uh, valuable. But more important than that, I think, is that the windows and the riches that he pours out from heaven is his presence. It's his presence that we need in our life first and foremost. Look what he says at the end of chapter uh, verse 10. He says, I will pour out for you an overflowing blessing. That gift that keeps giving. I will overflow. And then the third thing he shares in verse 11 is I will rebuke the devourer. He will keep at bay the ones that tends to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. We receive blessing in kind, if you will. Is that true? Well, let's see how this works. As we think about gardens, what you plant, typically if it germinates and grows, is what you get. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. You don't plant corn and get beans. It, don't, it doesn't work like that. But when we plant, we'll see what we get. <clears throat> when you sow a moral action in a daily life, you're going to reap a moral action in a daily life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. This is that reaping and sowing. You sow faith, you will reap faith. I remember one time a pastor slash professor, uh, I don't remember the exact context, but uh, we were at church together and me and Carla was most likely doing our banter back and forth, which is our love language. But it's pretty good banter back and forth. Most of you know us how we roll on that. And uh, I was losing, for some reason, that argument and uh, that day. And one of the professors slash pester walked by and went, reaping and sowing, Scott, reaping and sowing. And he went back to tell me, hey, what are you reaping? What are you reaping? What are you sowing into your marriage is what you're going to reap. So... Uh, very true statement, but reaping and sowing. What you sow, why would you sow something wrong, uh, selfish, carnal, fleshly into your family and expect something spiritual? Hello? What? It doesn't work like that. The Bible says it doesn't, but that's what we sell each other. You can see it on Sunday mornings, my favorite. During the week, you know, you're not sowing the things that are spiritual into your family, but on Sunday mornings, we're all cleaned up and ready to go and shining for Facebook. We have it all together on Sunday mornings. But when I say amen, the whole week kind of just starts all over again, doesn't it? Sow the bright things into your family, into your marriage, into your work, into your relationships, and watch what will be reaped. A lot of times, tone, something as simple as the tone in how we say it can have big dividends in the end. You know what? Let's, I'm having put on the screen Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Again, there's, we're not pulling apart all these scriptures. It's kind of topical. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 is the reaping and sowing text. Do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be dumb. Don't deceive. And the worst person to fool is who? It's yourself. Don't fool yourself. Do not be deceived. God, you're not, you're not going to trick God. You're not going to outsmart him. You're not going to outfox him. 
Don't fool yourself. God is not tricked or mocked for whatever a man sows. That is what you're going to reap. It's an illustration or a metaphor to the believer's spiritual life, but it's also a universal truth. So a thought, you reap an action. So in action, you reap a lifestyle. I want to draw conclusion and application today. Again, it's, I had planned this out for several weeks, what to do and what to share. And I leave this in God's hands. So many times I, I try to do too much in, in, in this time that we have together. But I'm reminded that this is God's house. We're God's people. And he uses these messages to land and apply where he wants them to apply. Why? How do we know that? His word will not return void. Things that I plan on sharing in the future is how much to give. What, what is a tithe? What is grace giving? What, how does all this work? I'm, I'm new to Christianity. I'm new to this thing. I know I'm to give. How does that work? I'm going to share some how-tos and what-tos on that. But know this, that God owns it all. He owns absolutely every bit of it. And you may be struggling with that today. You may be struggling. God, if you own it all, why are you keeping it to yourself? God, if you own it all, how come it seems like evil does and, and the world does better than the church? God, if you own it all, how come it seems like evil prospers and, and we're struggling just to get by? He knows what he's doing. I'm grateful and I'm frustrated at the same time. I'm grateful that God has used finances to be the thing that keeps Cross Point Baptist Church focused on him. I've seen it. I've seen it. We're doing it right now. Next week, I'm going to share, like, we got this 120,000 note that's going to be due in five years. We have a plan. There is, I've seen God deliver through Cross Point Baptist Church and beyond, but I've seen him stir us up to faith. We have done things in our church history that we would have never been able to do in and of ourselves. Shouldn't even be here. But let's keep being cross point anyways. We're not even, not even supposed to, things, obstacles that would have, should have never happened in and of themselves. So I'm excited to watch that. It's a faith factor. It's a faith building. I'm also frustrated. I'm frustrated. Why for so long? Why so long, Lord? It seems like we, 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 we gain some traction and then we're not. Then we don't. And when I get that mentality, I'm realized I'm not trusting in him. He's our God and we're his people. We are, it's really simple, but it can be hard. Trust and obey. The verses that Brad shared, Matthew 22 Verse 37, love God and love others. That's the agenda of Cross Point Baptist Church. Love God first. By the way, you're not going to love others if you don't love God first. Others are going to get on your last nerve. You don't, you ain't, you're not that special. Love God and then you'll learn how to love others. That's our agenda at Cross Point Baptist Church. And, we got to keep, it's hard enough to get it at the apex of our heart, the center of our heart. You know what's even harder? Keeping him there. It's hard to get him there. All in, surrendered all in. I'm, 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 in, I'm in communion with you, Lord. 
but keeping him there. Because I can, that fast, my heart of hearts. That fast. It's scary. Our goal is to love him, love others. And my goal this morning is to have you trust him. Are you following him? Love him, follow him, and watch what he'll do with your life. It starts with that proper relationship with our creator through Jesus Christ. Talk about debts and things. You know, Jesus Christ paid a debt that we could not, our debt, your debt, that you could never pay for yourself. You, you cannot pay for your sin debt. Are you interested? Are you interested in having your sin absolved today? Are you interested? If I, if I could share with you and show you that your sin could all be forgiven today, would you be interested? Now, that sounds like a salesman right there, doesn't it? But I want to share with you a truth that when your life is given over, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is, it's finished, it's done. It's equivalent to having that stamp that says paid in full. I love that look. Paid in full. It's paid for. Your sin, your past, present, and even future sin are paid for at the cross of Jesus Christ. He paid a debt you could never pay. Your blood's not good enough. His blood was more than sufficient. God in the flesh came. When you have that right relationship with him, a world opens up, a life opens up for you that you're going to have to embrace. And you start following and walking. Pastor Rick was sharing some stories uh, to Bible Quest this morning to when he first became a believer like 100 years ago. He didn't know what to do, so he said, well, here's the Bible. I'm going to start in the beginning. He started in Genesis and read through the Bible. He was up here on a Friday night or a Saturday night one when at 20 years old, he didn't know what to do. So he came up here and he started pulling weeds out of the parking lot. What 20 year old does that? <laughs> he, he knew that I am a changed person and I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do what, what's next. And his life has radically, radically transformed and changed from that point on. If you're given over to him, that's what your life is like. Not that you're going to be up here pulling weeds, but your life has changed. Your, your outlook, your perspective, it all changes. And all of a sudden, the things that you're hearing of the Bible, when you're like, I don't know about this Christianity thing. I don't know about Christ. I don't know about this life that they're talking about. You can look at it with a skeptic, skepticism. You look at it like, how's that true? It doesn't even make sense. But when you're a believer, you know what the Bible says? He opens the eyes of your understanding. Scripture that you never would have understood before. Now you're going, oh, when I do this, when I reap and sow, sow and reap like this, this is what happens? When you have his presence in your life, when you're not certain and you're walking by faith, but you're going, I have his presence in my life and I'm not, I just, this is the next step for me. And you just do it. You know what happens? The next step unfolds. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord, the Bible says. He's, got, he's already got it laid out for you if you're in him. He's already got it laid out. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? We're going to take a moment and just allow you the time to do any business with God by way of prayer that you might want to do. And I know it, it, on paper it doesn't make sense that we would 
I would share these words on, on giving, on, on, on money, and then somehow it turns into salvation. Well, that's, <laughs> that's God's doing, not ours. At this time of invitation, I'm going to ask you to come and share these things up in your heart. Come and talk with any one of us as you see fit. Dear Lord, bless this time. Make it your own as we take this time to commit our lives afresh, to commit our spirits, to commit our disciplines unto you. Not for our benefit only, but for your glory. For your glory. May we do everything that we do, put a spotlight on you and make your name famous. But sometimes we have to be broke first. We have to be crushed in our spirit, crushed in our heart. And we could be wondering why I had it, I had it at one moment, and now I don't. And no matter how many steps away we've been as a believer, it's one step back. 1 John 1, 9. Bring us back. Bring us to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as, with Andrew and I as we take this time and invite you to come and pray? and do any work that you may need to do, spiritually speaking, in your heart as it relates to our God. The altar and the prayer time is open. Andrew.
I'm going to ask, uh, as we transition for our business meeting now,